This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Hey, hey, or as Matthew McConaughey says, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's uh, it's time for another edition of No Stop really? Lights. I want to thank our, our sponsors. Do what? Really? Matthew yeah. McConaughey, right, right off like that. You start like that. <laughs> you don't want to do it? Yeah, that's cool. Well, man, we're, we're, we're trying to be cool. We're not cool. We're trying well, to be see, cool. But that's the thing. Matthew McConaughey is cool. And we're not. <laughs> and we're trying to be cool. Speak for yourself. Speak <laughs> okay. for yourself. All right. I'm sorry. I, I, I still have a certain coolness about me. All right. Um, all right. All right. Not, all right. All right. It's not. Yeah. See, okay. You've already just it's lost its effect now. Um, good afternoon or good morning or good evening, depending on when you're watching this Uh-oh. prestigious podcast. Here we go. I want to thank our sponsors, Mickey Finns. Uh, Marlboro Pity Electric, Co-op, Schofields, Ace Hardware, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. Um, I feel like Siskel and Ebert. I think one of those guys is dead. The other um, is still living, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I think they're both gone. I think they, they are? are. Yeah. Okay. Didn't so. know that. They're both they're both gone. Um, but but I feel like a, a bit of a movie critic or, or or someone giving a book review. Let's 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 delve into the. Ah, I heard it referred to by Rolling Stone magazine as a shit show and, uh, CNN hosting Donald Trump on its, uh, town hall. Uh, we, we've debated who won, who lost. Um, how do you keep score would be a better, um, question about, you know, Trump entering the belly of the beast and being as defiant as you would ever imagine, um, him to be. There was nobody... I love it. Okay, but and, and you're a Trumpster. Uh, I get that. But but I want to go down this road and, and stick with me for a second here or stick with me for 20 or 30 minutes, if you will. So there's no doubt that Donald Trump gets some credit for being defiant. There's no doubt that Donald Trump gets a lot of credit for being authentic. Um, even, the, even the Trump detractors would have to agree he is a unique political animal. He is a political blunt instrument unlike any we've seen since... Andrew Jackson, <laughs> uh, who, who carried the baton for Jeffersonian government uh, back in the day. That that would have been pre-Civil War, post-Civil War. There you go, post-Civil War. Trump would be the most um, the most blunty of political blunt instruments we've seen uh, come down the pike. So, so once again, let's give Trump some credit for entering the belly of the beast, the epicenter of Trump hatred, and de- just being as defiant as you would imagine him to be, being rambunctious, being overbearing, being uh, neglecting the um, the the esteemed night that CNN had aspired for. Maybe CNN gets exactly what they wanted, or maybe maybe they didn't. But but I want to go to kind of an argument. I guess the argument I'll make today is, um, and we've had this discussion on the radio show. When when do you allow your feelings? To, to lead, and when do you refer to the data? Because you and I have a disagreement, Rev, about um, whether or not it was a good night for Trump. Um, it's a good night for Trump if you're one of the 30% of primary voters and probably 20% of Americans who are 1,000% committed to Donald Trump winning in 24, believe he won in 20, and believe he's the greatest president in the history of mankind. I mean, I would argue 20% of Americans kind of sort of believe that. 30, maybe a third, maybe as much as 35% of Republican primary voters are, are in forever. I mean, they're, they're all in. There's no way that you could drive a wedge between Trump and 
that loyal Trump supporter. That's the instinctive feeling we have. That's the gratification you get when you go to New Hampshire and you fill an, uh, you know, an auditorium or venue with a, uh, you know, the most rabid Trump supporters imaginable. There's an optic there. And, and I'll give Trump credit for controlling the night. I mean, there, there's no question about it. He did what he always does. He talked over someone. He interrupted someone. Um, he, he matter-of-factly stated his calls, his plea, his case over and over and over again. I think he referred to the moderator or the reporter who, who was supposedly running the show as a nasty person. Well, I mean, and, and, and Trump believes, Trump's one of the human beings that believe as long as he's talking, he's winning. And I guess instinctively that could be true. But but I, I, I make the point that at some point in time, every politician, no matter how odd or different you are, political expediency has to be a part of the equation. You have to do things with the understanding that there are some people out there not going to vote for you. Now, how do we encourage those who are undecided to make a decision in your favor instead of against? I've never seen an election where someone got fewer votes and won. Some would argue the 2020 presidential election is an example of that. But but I think Trump had an opportunity last night to set his instinctive um, hunch aside and, and defer to analytics. And he didn't do that. And I understand. I, I've read all the book reviews this morning. I've read all the, the, the movie critics say, you know, um, once again, uh, Rolling Stone, it was a shit show. CNN should have never allowed the guy that sort of opportunity to espouse the conspiracy theories and these these untruths, these half-truths. Um, shame on CNN. Well, CNN's in the market of what? Viewership. And nobody's watching CNN. So CNN, uh, you know, is trying to garner an audience. I, I don't know if they're trying to legitimize themselves as a, you know, the former CNN before they became the kind of, kind of the epicenter of Never Trump. I don't have any idea how they make those decisions what goes into that decision making making process but i want to stay here for a second because you believe rev that it was a good night for trump i believe it was a bad night for trump now, now i'll accept what you just said he defied he uh he did not let anybody run over him he got his points across as aggressively as you could ever imagine and, and i would add this too as i thought about it a little bit more he showed uh he is has all his faculties, which is in direct contrast to our current president, right? He had command of the issues, has forceful opinions, and was able to articulate them. That but, is so different from what we have now. So why not talk about the issues? That's well, that's point. where I think the layup was missed. At the beginning of the debate, in the beginning there was, um, Caitlin and Donald. And, and she set him up. And you knew CNN was going to do this. Of course. The room is full of Trump supporters, New Hampshire Republicans. Um, but when Caitlin, I can't think of her last name, when she asked the question of Trump about, you know, will you denounce? Will you, de I mean, two things in particular. Will you denounce January 6th? And will you denounce the conspiracy theory that you really won the election and the election was stolen? Trump can say, no, I'm not going to den to denounce that, but but he can say this, and this is where I think he really calls himself a great disservice. The only answer that adds voters to the Trump um, to the Trump number is to say something like, or something to the effect of, "I've made it very clear how I feel about the 2020 presidential election. 
I emphatically stand by those comments. There are things that happened in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, uh, Wisconsin, and Arizona that nobody has ever been able to explain to me. How do you go from a 63 or 4% turnout to a 95% turnout? How does a senior home in uh, Racine, Wisconsin or Racine County have 100% turnout? I mean, you, you, n- nobody will ever explain that to me to a point where I believe it. But I'm not here to talk about the 2020 presidential election. I mean, that, that's the framing of the debate. He has not given in an inch. I mean, he just said, I emphatically stand by what I believe to be true. And what I believe to be true is there are things about Georgia that make no sense. There are things about Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Nevada that make no sense. And I'm convinced I would have won the election under normal circumstances. But COVID provided very abnormal circumstances. And one party took advantage of that through voting harvesting, private financing of elections, unsolicited mail-in ballots, and one party did not. And I think because of one party taking advantage and another party not, it cost me the election. But I'm not here to talk about the 2020 presidential election, CNN viewer and and Caitlin. I'm here to talk about the shape the country's in. Inflation is rampant. It was not when I was president. Energy independence is not a priority for this administration. It was for me. Look at the chaos on our southern border. Look at the situation the Biden administration has us with our immigration policy and the enforcement or not of our immigration policy. That's how you add votes. That's how you win elections. That's how you get reelected president of the United States again. That's what not you nor I wanted to hear, but the independent voter in uh, the Seinfeld watcher in Pennsylvania, the Seinfeld watcher in Nevada, the Seinfeld watcher in Arizona. I think it's not a mea culpa. It's not a not, please forgive me for all the wrongs. It's none of that. It's, It's absolutely none of that. But that's the only answer that he could have given that expands his base, that that allows people to say, he's, he's kind of right about immigration. I mean, that, that, you know, think about gas prices when Donald Trump was president. But think about, you know, inflation in general. Think about where it was when Trump was an American president. We remember him not as the guy who is reported to have instigated the riot in January 6th. I don't buy that. I think Trump peddled fantasy. I've said that. I've been consistent in saying that. I think he contributed to some of what happened on January 6th. I don't think January 6th was anywhere near an insurrection, but it was a riot. But but every time Trump's talking about January 6th and every time Trump's talking about uh, the, the 2020 presidential election, I don't think he's adding. I don't think he's subtracting. I mean, I really and truly don't. I don't think, I think Donald Trump has the, the lowest ceiling but highest floor of any presidential candidate in either party. Trump has 35% of the Republican base with him come hell or high water. But that's not enough Americans to become president. You're right, Rev. He had a command of the issues. He was focused. He was very comfortable. He was in command. I mean, he ran the town hall. The moderator didn't run the town hall. Trump ran the town hall. What is the price of eggs in China, uh, President Trump? I don't know, but Biden sucks, you know, in immigration. I just think that had to be the theme And you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And the first impression I had, and most people will have, is he wanted to relitigate January 6th, and he wanted to relitigate the 2020 presidential elections, and that's where Trump is most underwater. 
That's where his biggest problems are. A lot of independents believe that he had more to do with January 6th than I think he really did. But it doesn't matter what I think he really did. What do those independent voters in those swing states believe? This is not a popularity contest. This is not, I got my point across more aggressively than they did. It's about voting. How do you get people to vote for you? And I think there are a lot of people in America that are desperately concerned about inflation. They are deeply bothered by, by the price of fuel. They are unbelievably upset with the condition on our southern border. That They believe that uh, American investment in Ukraine is not worth the return on investment. I mean, th- these things line up perfectly with Trump and America first. But instead, he gave the opposition party and anybody running against Trump, he gave them more food for fodder than he should have. Someone said, I mean, I've talked to several people about this. Well, I mean, only 2 million people watched it. I mean, how big a deal can it be if only 2 million people watched it? But, but it's memorialized now. And there'll be millions and millions and millions of dollars spent on campaigns in Pennsylvania or spent on ad campaigns in Pennsylvania, in Nevada, in Arizona, in Georgia. Uh, maybe not Georgia. I don't think Georgia's a swing state without ballot harvesting and without unsolicited mail-in ballots. I mean, I think we've... What, what Georgia did to make their elections more secure is probably better than anybody else did. In other words, there'll be... It'll be less likely that we question the results out of Georgia because of what their General Assembly did in regards to private financing of not elections, excuse me, not campaigning. I mean, obviously, there's a private financing of campaigns, but the private financing of, uh, of elections, the Zuckerberg money that made its way to Fulton and Gwinnett County in such profound fashion. So, so I think Georgia is in a much better place for the Republican. I don't mean I call it for the Republican, but I, it's, it's, it's the South. And if you could take some of those um, shenanigans off the table, I think it's far more likely the Republican win. But I'll ask you, you, you you've, you've inserted yourself in this debate, mm-hmm. and, I, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But do you think Trump added to his vote tally last night? No. And I can't disagree with you. And you're looking at this. I mean, you're a former politician, and obviously you're looking at this uh, through a political strategy or strategery uh, lens, right? I mean, you and you're trying to figure out if, if if Trump wants to win the next presidential election, how does he add votes? And so I cannot disagree with anything you said. And there's nothing I would rather do than talk for an hour about how I was jobbed out of the 2020 presidential election and I didn't start an insurrection. Of course. I mean, you want to defend yourself, uh, defend your campaign, defend your presidency. I mean, I get that. I understand that. It would be the natural human reaction. But, but at times, you got to be guarded about that natural human reaction, and you got to, in the name of political expediency, give the answer that helps you win the presidency. The only way Donald Trump can help with inflation is to get elected. The only way Donald Trump can help with immigration is to get elected. The only way Donald Trump can help with energy independence is to get elected. The only way Donald Trump can help with Ukraine or China or foreign trade policy is to get elected. And I think he hurt himself in the name of getting elected, and I think a lot of Republican voters, and I'm not talking about the hardcore Trumpsters. I mean, they're with him come hell or high water. And I'm bordering there. I mean, I, I respect the defiance. I, I respect the, the, the authenticity. I respect the fact that he says, you know, you're not the most friendly lady yourself. I mean, I, I think there, there's great beauty in being fundamentally honest. You know, Dave Chappelle has an interesting way to define or describe Trump. He calls him an honest liar. 
I mean, th- those words are oxymoronic, aren't they? I mean, how are you an honest liar? Uh, well, but I, I think it's a complicated, simple man. You know, I get called that from time to time. You're a complicated, simple man. Um, well, like, I can't be both. Well, you can. You are. Well, I mean, how are you an honest liar? I think Trump is that. But but I think Trump's blind spot, Rev, and, and, and you get frustrated at this, and, and I get frustrated at this. All of our lives center around ourselves. I mean, every one of us is narcissistic to a certain point. We're egotistical to a certain point. We're self-centered to a certain point. But we're not blinded by it. We understand that I'm operating in an ecosystem or universe that requires me being compatible with other people. And I think Trump's narcissism, and there's not a single Trump voter that I know that will not admit that characteristic or trait about his personality. We all have these personality defects. You do, I do, yours may be different than mine, mine may be different than yours, but none of us are perfect. The, the, the beauty in understanding personal defects is to be aware. I know I'm not very organized. I accept that about myself, and I'm guarded about that. I have to be aware of that. I have to make certain efforts to require me to do things that, that you know, I don't necessarily, I'm not talking about the big things. I mean, I get the big things right, but I'm talking about the small things. I'll meet Dave at 3 o'clock in the afternoon next Wednesday. Don't write it down. Next Wednesday, Dave calls me at 3.05. Hey, man, where are you? I didn't intend to lie to Dave. I mean, it was never my intent to mislead Dave. But but the organizational part of that, some people would write it down. That, that's what I'm talking about. So Trump has this, I mean, it's not even a defect. It's a, it's, a, it's a personality trait and reality. He's narcissistic, and it's always about him. And Trump will not accept that he lost the election, nor will he accept that he's responsible for January 6th. Half the country doesn't believe he lost the election. I mean, look at the polling. I'm talking about data here. Half of America believe that something or believes, uh, half of Americans believe, yeah, here you go. Um, half of Americans believe that Donald Trump, uh, let me back up. Half the country believe, as I do, that something happened in these five or six states that just don't make any damn sense. I mean, what are they? I don't know. I mean, how do we go from voting 65% to over 90%? I mean, how do Democrat precincts overperform by 20% and the Republicans overperform by 4 or 5%? I mean, how does, that, how does an incumbent president improve his number more than any president in history and still lose by 6 million votes? To someone who basically locked himself in the basement and said, you guys have at it, I'm not capable of campaigning. I'm not capable of, uh, of running a high-level, um, highly competitive campaign. Sure, there's questions there. Absolutely there are. And, and I don't know that we'll ever know the answer to those questions. I mean, I've argued they stole it fair and square. That's a weird way to say it. That's kind of an honest liar. You know, a complicated, simple man. They stole it. How do you steal it fair and square? Uh, well, I think you know what I'm inferring when I say that. But, but I think last night Trump had a golden opportunity. Once again, in the lion's den, defiant. We knew he'd do that. Difficult. Um, combative dominating the conversation, interrupting people. I don't think most people have a problem with that. It's his personality. We accept that about Donald Trump. He's not a reverent president. He doesn't accept the prestige of the office or the body politic as a lot that come, came before him. I think that's what we like about him more than anything. Ask that guy a question, he'll give you an answer. I mean, be careful what you ask Donald Trump because he may give you uh, an answer. And, and I, I just think, but I think last night, 
you got to go into that believing that the first thing out of the gate CNN wants to do is get you on the record about the 2020 presidential election. And this is where you go to your instinct or the, or the data. The instinct is to defend. I didn't lose. I didn't instigate an insurrection. The, the, the data says stay away from that. The polling clearly shows that Americans don't want to talk about January 6th anymore and they don't want to relitigate the 2020 election. And at some point in time, you've got to put your human instinct aside and give a, an answer that allows you to be more successful in the name of winning elections. And that's the frustration. I, now, does it hurt him in the long run? I don't know. I don't have any idea. Nobody knows. I mean, there'll be a lot of pundits that say this. And obviously, the talking heads on CNN hate him. I mean, he gave them more reason to hate him. He, you know, he, he, he won't budge. I mean, he won't back down. He won't take responsibility for anything. You would expect that. None of that matters. But, but I think there's a slither of the population who realize that Joe Biden is incompetent. Joe Biden is in serious cognitive decline, and they'd like an alternative. I'm not saying they'd love to vote for Trump, but they look at the country. They look at inflation. They look at our, our energy dependency. They look at our involvement in Ukraine. They look at the border, and they say, damn, this isn't what I signed up for. I mean, not being Trump is good enough, but only so far. I mean, if you're not Trump, but inflation is 2%. If you're not Trump, we're not involved in Ukraine. If you're not Trump and the border seems somewhat secure, okay. I mean, I don't regret at all not voting for Trump because I don't have to put up with the drama, the craziness, and, the, the you know, the um, uh, just the irreverence is the word I keep coming back to. But, but I think you've got a golden opportunity. When the, when the best the Democrats can do is a man who will be, what, 82 years old if he wins, when he assumes the office, that's too damn old to leave the presidency. Of course it's too old to, to begin a four-year term as American president, and I think there are many, many, many Americans who want an alternative. I mean, I'm not saying Ron DeSantis. I'm not saying Vivek Ramaswamy. Donald Trump is a front-runner in the Republican Party. He got a chance yesterday to solidify his standing as the front runner in the a couple of days ago as a front runner in the Republican Party, and he probably did that. I mean, he probably did everything required of him to kind of put a stamp of, um, you know, I'm the boss of this party until I choose to not be the boss of this party. But the data shows, and facts are stubborn things, and the polling may not be exact, but you've not seen a single poll that says. Um, I'm for the guy that relitigates January 6th. I'm for the guy that wants to continually and perpetually talk about the 2020 presidential election. I think Donald Trump was a hell of a good president. I think Donald Trump would be a really good president if given the opportunity to do it again. But the only way Donald Trump becomes president is to convince the Seinfeld-watching independent in about five or six states, which is probably a universe of a quarter million people, I mean, there's probably a quarter million people in these five or six states that will decide the electoral college who the president is or is not going to be. And, and I think talking about those two issues and, and not budging an inch on those two issues in the way he did, once again, Trump has a lot of skills, a lot of talents. I mean, there is no doubt about it. People love to hear a politician tell you what they believe, especially today's world of plastic politicians and, and rehearsed debate saying, I mean, it's just so phony. It's almost like a, uh, uh, you talked about movie critics a second ago. It's almost like a, uh, a theatric production 
Nobody trusts what they see or hear. They believe everything's contrived and to some degree poll tested. And maybe that's the beauty of Trump. Whether it's poll tested or not, it is what it is. But I think at certain points in your political life, you've, you've got to make a decision. Do, do, do I trust my instinct or do I go where the data says go? And Trump is a guy that naturally trusts his instincts. But there's too much data. There's too many polls. I mean, you can say the Rasmussen poll leans this way or the Trafalgar poll leans that way. The NBC Wall Street Journal poll said there's not a damn poll that I've seen that says when Trump is talking about January 6th and talking about the 2020 presidential election, he's helping himself. And CNN served it up on a platter. I mean, do you think CNN had Donald Trump on their network to enhance the likelihood that he gets elected? Of course no not. Way. And he had a chance to really flip it. And I'd love to know what Caitlin, uh, the moderator, would have done had Trump said, look, I didn't come to talk about that. I mean, I stand by what I said. I don't give an inch on what I believe. But this country's in dire straits. And this country needs a leader that, that knows how to lead. And that's who I am. So I'm not here to talk about, as much as you'd like me to, I'm not here to talk about January 6th. I made it clear where I stand there. I told people to go to the Capitol peaceful. I, I, I told, you know, I, I don't, I, there, there's no, I condemn that. There's no way that I would condone kicking down doors and busting out windows in public buildings that you don't own. But I didn't instigate an insurrection. I've said that, I'll say it again. And I believe there are a lot of things that have never been fully explained about the 2020 election. But as much as CNN would love me to spend an hour talking about that and dig myself a deeper hole, I'm not doing it. I've moved on. And I'm far more concerned about inflation about energy independence, about Ukraine, about China, about trade, uh, about how the insiders, the Black Rocks and vanguards of the world are complicit you know, in, in, uh, in organizing with government to not make the American workers' lives better, the American way of life better, the American family better. If you want to talk about that, I'll talk about that for as long as you want to sit here. But, but I'm not here to revisit the things that you're hoping I will revisit. I, I just... I just think he lost a gun. Now, can he win? Of course he can. And, that, and that's my question. So this is very early. Obviously, you know, all the candidates haven't even announced that are going to end up in the race. This. I'm gonna, but you would accept that he gave a lot of campaign material for down the road. Sure. You and I will never see that ad because we're in South Carolina. But the people in Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia, that ad, when he says what he said a couple of days ago, I mean, it will be... There will be millions of dollars spent on that memorialized account. Continue. I'm sorry. Well, I, I just wanted to say, but is there a chance for him to address it differently and take the, if you were giving him advice and he heard what you just said he should have done, I mean, he could do that next time, right? Yeah, Willie. What about Donald Trump leads you to believe he'd take my advice? What about Donald Trump leads you to believe he'd take any? There's beauty in that. I mean, there, there's genius in that. But, but, but at some point in time, you're not bigger than the political process. You, you may be an outlier, and he is. You may be a political freak, and he is. You may be a political unicorn, and he is. But you can't escape every reality of the body politic. And to me, Trump is trying, not only trying to be an outlier and a political unicorn, he's trying to say all the rules that apply to everybody else don't apply to me. And despite what the data says about people not wanting to relitigate, January 6th of the 2020 election, 
I'm doing it anyway because I'm Donald Trump and the rules that apply to everybody else don't apply to me. I mean, that, that's, I mean we, we, we know he's narcissistic. He knows he's narcissistic. But, but I, I just I don't know that you can be that narcissistic and get elected the second time. What he's trying to do is unbelievably complicated. He's trying to win from nowhere as the absolute outsider. They ganged up on him. Every organized force inside politics ganged up on Donald Trump, the media, the administrative agencies, the intelligence community, uh, the elitist, the establishment, the cathedral. Well, call it what you'd like to call it. Everybody with something to lose wanted him to lose. Now, now we can argue whether he did or not. He's not in the White House. I mean, he's not the president of the United States. There was a certification of election, and it was not Donald Trump as president of the United States. And I get the opinions all over the place about that, and I have an opinion about it. The statistical anomalies make no sense to me. I stop there. Well, I had something to do. No, I can't. I don't have any facts. I mean, the statistical anomalies make no sense to me whatsoever. I think that is a very, I mean, of course it's provocative, but but you can sustain that. I mean, you can say, hey, what makes sense of it? I mean, explain to me why that many more people voted in these heavily Democrat precincts. I mean, you and I think we know what happened, but we don't know what happened. The the, the, the point I'm making is, and, and, I, and I'm being redundant in this part because I think it's critically important. Sure, Trump could clean that up, but where in his history has he ever done something other than exactly what he wants to do? And I think there are a lot of Republican voters today that, that are not the 30%, that they had no problem with Trump's agenda. They had no problem with Trump's policies. I've got buddies of mine who said, take the name Trump off, show me the agenda, show me the priorities. I'm as big a donor as I can be. But they can't get past that that me, 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 that, 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 that self-centered about every aspect of uh, the campaign and, uh, and indeed the presidency. So, so the point I'm trying to make is the, the two groups of people will have a decision to make. The first group will be the Republican primary voter. Do they take what happened last night and say, ah, if we're going back down that road, I'm not. I mean, if we're going back, if, if a theme of this election is going to be the 2020 election and January 6th, I'm not going back down that road. I'm, I'm just not doing that. Is Vivek Ramaswamy, I mean, to me, the most interesting guy in this campaign has been Vivek Ramaswamy. I think you agree with me. I mean, there's nobody that has articulated in, a, in, a, in an intellectual way where they stand on the issues than, than Ramaswamy. I mean, I think he's been, I hope that's the future of our party. That mindset, that demeanor, that methodology, that delivery, um, that degree of understanding. There's some and, intellectual and He's pretty aggressive, too. Oh, no question in, in, about in his it. opinions. But, but, but he, he's, he's curious enough that there's an intellectual curiosity there about Ramaswamy. I don't know the answer to this, but I will find out. I mean, I'll read history. I'll consume. I'll talk. I'll listen. Um, and that's part of being a good politician, being willing to listen to others and, and, and read and, and understand and research. And, and, um, but I think Republican primary voters, before the independents, I mean, the independents eventually have a decision to make. And I think Republican voters who are not loyal to Trump see last night as a reminder of a place they just don't want to go again. I think they love the Trump doctrine. I think they love the Trump policy. I think they like the authenticity. But I think they're making a practical judgment on, I'm not sure this guy can win if he stays down that rabbit hole, and I'm not sure that guy can get out of that rabbit hole.
I'm not sure Donald Trump can engage an audience for longer than 20 minutes when given the opportunity to talk about January 6th, to talk about the 2020 election, that he won't. And those people will find another place to vote. I have no idea how that works out. You got a, a plurality election. You got, you know, these states where winter takes all. You got Iowa, New Hampshire, our good old South Carolina early in the schedule. Um, you got a DeSantis we think is going to get in at some point in time, has not made that announcement yet. You've got some other candidates that have tried to have it both ways. By that, I mean I'm with Trump until I'm not with Trump, and I'm with Trump again, and I'm not uh, with Trump again. That works when when less than 20% of the the voting base is not loyal to one candidate. But that comp- I mean, you can't be that in today's world. You just can't. And, um, and I think the, a, lot of the, a lot of the less loyal Trump voter are trying to find an exit ramp to get off of. And if DeSantis makes his announcement, I think DeSantis may be a, an acceptable exit ramp. Um, you know, DeSantis isn't Romney. I mean, nobody's accusing DeSantis of being a, you know, an establishment creature and a Thank Washington goodness. insider. Well, I mean, you know, you're right. Is he, a, is he, acceptable, is, is he an acceptable alternative to Trump? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any guy. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have a lot of data to show me that. He's an intriguing political figure. He has been highly successful in the state of Florida on a lot of fronts. And I think, um, I mean, I think to begin with, a lot of Republican primary voters have a decision to make. I wonder, I asked this uh, of a friend of mine, I wonder if that performance on CNN accelerated some of the decisions those voters have to make. Thinking about Trump, teetering back and forth between Trump, heard him talk about those two issues in, in such unapologetic fashion and, and really in, in kind of a relitigating fashion. And I just believe those, those voters are probably waiting on uh, a more acceptable alternative. They don't think Haley's it. Uh, they don't know enough about Ramaswamy. And I would imagine if DeSantis gets in, that's kind of where those people um, gravitate toward. And that'll be in the primary that's complicated enough. The general gets more complicated. I think when 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 Democrats spend millions of dollars in swing states and districts advertising that this guy don't want to look forward, he's still he's still caught up on. He's still uh, he can't escape the reality of January six. And and I, I just think that turns off the Seinfeld watching independent in these seven or eight states, uh, five or six states that the Republican has to carry to have a chance of winning uh, a general election. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. However, you're, um, whatever um, method you're receiving, this is No Stop Lights podcast. We certainly uh, do appreciate it. We have a brand new website, by the way. No Stop Lights with Ken R. I know com. so little about this podcast, <laughs> host. Kind of telling you something you may not have known. No Stop Lights with Ken com. And we have uh, information there and all the links to all the different podcast platforms and video platforms. And as such. long as you say so. Yeah, that's true. So check Have a good it out. day. I want to thank our sponsors. Carolina Bank serves communities throughout Northeastern South Carolina, offering a wide range of services to meet every personal or business need from straightforward accounts to complex finances. They're prepared to help you reach your financial goals. Carolina Bank, banking on tradition since 1936. Member FDIC Schofields. Ace Hardware, your one-stop shop for all hardware, pain in the lawn and garden needs, plus all things sporting goods, including firearms, safes, clothing, footwear, and more. Pepsi of Florence represent the entire product line of PepsiCo, one of the world's leading
food and beverage companies, Pepsi of Florence, also serve brands from other great companies such as Dr. Pepper, Canada Dry, Lipton Tea, Gatorade, and various regional brands. Mickey Finn's, largest South Carolina liquor wholesaler, serving every county in the state, largest bourbon selection statewide. They ship wines to 43 states, opening soon a new beverage warehouse across from Bucky's on I-95 in Florence. They support USC athletics, including Williams Bryce and Colonial Life Arena. Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, if you're in big business and looking for an industrial park in the south to build your new plant, consider Marlboro PD Electric Co-op's new PD Commerce Center, uh, an industrial park located at the I-95 exit in Florence, South Carolina. Check it out at mpdcoop or pdec.com. <laughs> 